welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, and I'm here with guest host Charlessa Klein and Erin Hutchings, aka Hutch. Hutch, we are so glad to have you here with us today. Thank you. <laughs> I'll try and live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hutch, you have an adventuring business. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? How you and Charlessa met during a camp that she runs. And you came and worked with all the kids. So what are some of the different, you don't just work with kids. So what are some of the different projects that you're able to do? No, the, the kids is actually kind of a passion and it's it's certainly growing. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, there's still some other stuff we do to keep the lights on in the meantime. Um, I have, uh, I grew up in a rather odd industry. Um, now most people would just use the key term survival, which is certainly a large component of, of what I teach. Um, and we teach everything from search and rescue, military, people that want to instruct from around the world. Um, a few years ago, the key world was, was primitive skills and it, it kind of keeps changing, but it all really comes down to um, basically what I do is I keep the stories of my friends and mentors and ancestors alive. And through those stories, I teach their skills. And um, currently, uh, because of uh, COVID and everything, pioneer skills are really popular again. Um, yeah. Some people call it prepping, some people call it, but, but at the end of the day, all of that stuff really is just the way we were able to live places like the Rocky Mountains in Utah and such. Um, and it is literally my job to teach Basically, if it's outdoorsy, indigenous, primitive, um, that that's our realm. So we do, like I said, we teach search and rescue, we teach military. And then most recently, uh, as my family has grown, I've started really branching into family programs where we kind of try and there's a lot of parents. Um, sometimes it's because they're from single families and, and they don't have that, that other dynamic on either side. Or sometimes it's because they grew up in the city and it's like, oh my goodness, a tree, what's going on? I hear there's spiders. Are they yeah. going to eat me in my sleep? Um, and we, we've, we've kind of created this dynamic where we're sort of showing people um, these are these are skills that no matter where you're from, your, your ancestors did so you could get to this point. And they're not just used for the occasional zombie apocalypse or boat sinking or hatchet scenario, you know, um, the uh, the old right. book, not the horror movies, although I suppose it would work yeah. in either. Um, but um, it's it, these, these are things that can make you more comfortable and more fun. These are things that make it more enjoyable to go outside, whether you're an avid hunter yeah. or an artist or a person looking for a place to pray, simply knowing how to stay warm and stay comfortable and what to eat and where to find that darn squirrel that you want to paint a picture of. Um, and of course, there are certainly yeah. be fun. Let's make fire from sticks and let's pick that lock kind of components as well. So <laughs> did, did, did that answer the question? Is so fun. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, I didn't know that you do yeah. lock picking because that is like my bucket list to be able to learn how to pick locks. And there's Oh, I can a, teach you. Yeah. We're going to have to do that. There's a TikTok channel that one of my friends introduced me to where somebody just like sits there and like it is rapid fire lock picking and my sister and I just watch them and drool because we both want to be that efficient yeah. at lock, lock picking. I was going to show but, you something. It won't be, uh, we'd have to describe it for those people that are listening, not watching, but I was, that's exactly what I was going to do. My kids have been playing with my padlocks. Um, but one of them has gotten really into it. But I can teach you over a thing. I did it for a, a Fortune 500 company over a Zoom call. Um, it's oh, it's actually 
the funniest thing about lockpicking, and I always tell people is the only way you're probably ever going to use this is if your kids lock you out of something. I mean, we all want that James Bond moment, but even the military people that I train very rarely get to do it. Now, I do occasionally, we teach it in a don't be a victim class. We have some very high um, um, uh, high profile clients that travel and such. And, and they occasionally, I actually got to use this, blah, blah, but most of the time it's because your kids locked you out of something. But what's right. really going to happen is I'm going to teach it to you even over Zoom. And then because I'm me, I'll show you how to do it. Well, let's show you how to make a pick out of a paperclip because you probably don't carry pick, you know, locks, picks. Some states it's not even legal. And what will really happen is you will, two things, you'll, you'll get an obsessive habit that you'll find yourself doing all uh-huh. the time as a fidget. You can't wait to show people. And number two, you will replace yeah. every lock in your house because you're going to be like, seriously, it's that easy? Um, like, I'm very uncomfortable with this hutch. Like, th- this is taught on YouTube. Oh my gosh. And um, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's the so real funny. thing that will come out of it is you, you will have, like I said, this, you'll find yourself collecting locks from the darndest places, Habitat for Humanity yeah. and everything like yeah. that. Um, but, but mostly what will happen is you'll have a home renovation project for everyone that you know and love and they'll all think that you need a tinfoil hat. Well, when, when I was growing up, my uncle was a special agent for the IRS. So he did all of their, like he did raids and like did their training program for, for the enforcement end of the IRS. And when, when I was little, his favorite thing to do, because he was the youngest child. So my dad has two brothers, one older and one younger. And whenever my uncle Dave would visit, he would always drive my dad crazy by getting back to the house first after church and getting inside the house <laughs> and usually he just he just used a credit card yeah so that's usually that's he would just use a credit yeah. card to do it and breaching exploits a different part of the locking mechanism all we're really doing is exploiting weaknesses um I'm showing, <laughs> I'm showing basically yeah. what we would use to teach. Um, this is just an interchangeable thing where we can change the actual locks themselves to practice. It's a, it's a practice device for trying the different types of tumblers, but actually picking what that manipulates is the mechanisms inside of handcuffs or locks. Um, yeah. the, the weaknesses in there breaching what he was doing with the credit card that actually exploits the, um, the weakness in the door itself, which is actually funny because, you know, I just made that joke about replacing doors. Sometimes, especially when I was in the Marine Corps, we'd get pulled into these high risk raids or something. And they'd want picking, but we'd look at the door and be like, well, that is a $3,000 lock, but it's a $20 door jam. So actually <laughs> we could pick it or we could just knock the door down, um, or, or knock it off. It's in just so yeah, what he was doing is breaching, oh, um, which is also a very fun and and it'll cause you to replace some stuff. Like I said, this is, a, mm-hmm. um, but I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess it's probably not even worth worth showing because this is a, a listening thing. But um, we've got these locks we use when I'm teaching people and they're clear so that you can see the pins and the tumblers inside. Oh, and essentially a lock is just that. like, for those of you that are at home and can't see and you're not driving, don't do this while you're driving. But if you were to hold your fingers together with the fingers touching, that, that's what a locking mechanism is. You have, yeah, just like that. So you've got these pins. So um, not, not interlocked like that whole, we are the, what is it? The steeple. Look at all the people that live yeah. that rhyme, but, but actually just the, the tips as if you were going to pick your nose, just those tips touching. That's what's going on inside of your lock. And when you put the key in, it pushes up a sequence of those in such a way that you, that you can turn the knob away from whatever it's jammed into. Um, and if you don't put them up in such a way, it, they're just locked together. And so really all we do is we just go in there and we wiggle those around and manipulate them until they're stuck in the position that we want. And it's um, it's incredibly addictive. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to change my entire school curriculum now for the rest of the year. We're going <laughs> to drop Spanish, start lock picking. <laughs> just start lock picking. 
Okay, so you do not become a jack of all the trades just <laughs> waking up one day. So tell us about your path here. I want to hear about your grandpa because Charlessa, when she was doing summer camp, she was texting me like every day and sending me these little like two minute clips of you talking. And she's like, listen to this. Listen to what he has to say about his grandpa. <laughs> oh, no. I think you're going to love this. And so could you tell us about your grandpa and your early childhood experiences that led to you surviving well and teaching others how to do so today. Sure. Everybody brew some coffee. The next 16 hours should be fun and go rather quickly. <laughs> no. Um, so I'm most people probably already in the short bit of time we've been on here. Most people can tell there's something a little bit different about this guy. Um, I, I'm autistic actually quite significantly on the spectrum. And when you go to get tested, there's loads and loads of tests and it's quite something else. And it's kind of scary because it's a little insecure and everything. Um, but when I was growing up, there, there was none of that. Um, and I yeah. am, um, even with some of the problems I have, they oftentimes would manifest in, in a physical deformity as well, which I was born ugly, but I look at what we would call fairly proportional and normal and, you know, by, 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 by typical standards. So because I didn't have that, um, I was overlooked as, as, as a healthy kid. Um, and uh, I, it was assumed that I was stupid wasn't trying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It was actually, um, without going too far into that, because I am a focus on the positive kind of guy, but it was a pretty rough childhood um, with, with, with baggage here and there to boot. Um, and uh, the, the teachers, God bless them, they, they weren't trained to look for such things once again, because there was no physical deformity. There was no, um, and, and even then, if there was, I mean, that was still a time where you might end up in, they didn't call them sanitariums anymore, but frankly, that, that's that's what they were, you know, uh, the, the world's gotten a lot better in those ways. So I was in a pretty bad situation. Um, I, uh, you know, single mom doing the best she could, but just couldn't couldn't handle just all the extra that came with this son who, uh, you know, just had oddities. We'll put it that way to be nice. Um, and uh, I was going into the system and I had this grandpa, the, the person you've talked about. Um, and uh, I, I guess by typical standards, probably the best word to use to describe him would be eccentric. <laughs> um, but he was, uh, he was a real deal mountain man. Um, he, he was a drawback uh, to, to times before he, he still made his money um, trapping. Uh, and uh, although there was less and less of that at the time, so he would, he would teach survival skills to pilots or hunters. And then a majority of his money was actually made taking um, folks from like National Geographic or something into the back country. And he would track the mm -hmm. bears and keep them alive and comfortable and get them close enough to take their pictures. And um, because of this, he was exposed to a lot of different people from a lot of different fields. And my grandpa's thing was, um, there's nothing wrong with this boy. It's, it's MTV and society. And, you know, I told you not to marry that loser anyway, kind of a thing. The boy just needs discipline. And um, I say that in people's eyes always get big. I, I don't mean like harm Hallmark Channel, scary discipline. Um, I mean, he, he, he certainly would spank yeah. her ground. Um, but but we, he just thought I needed real discipline. And his way to go around that was um, to basically raise me the way that he had been raised. So while we had this cabin with a regular stove and everything, uh, initially, as an example, if I wanted pancakes, I would have to milk the goat. Um, I, I would have to make, we, we actually made bannock, which is very similar to pancakes, but same difference. I, I would milk the goat. I'd have to make the batter. And then I'd have to make the fire using a flint and steel, basically um, banging a piece of metal on a rock. So the pyrophilic pieces of metal make a little tiny spark. And then that little tiny spark, you have to catch it in just, it's just a baby. So you got to feed it baby food. You got to catch it in just the right material and then add some of that material and love it into life. It's a process. And I'll tell you just one yeah. really bad 
you know, Rocky's winter, you lose your temper and shuck that little piece of metal up under the woods. You're hungry for pancakes, walking around for two hours, thinking about what a terrible decision that was. Um, and, yeah. and that was his thing. And now his goal was yeah. that through doing these things, I would learn that, you know, I needed to control right. my temper and that, and that there, there were rewards for good behavior and bad behavior. And he figured that I would, I would, um, I, I would learn because he of course hated those things. My grandpa didn't even like to bar barbecue. Yeah. He would say, you know, we've evolved. Why would anyone still cook on rocks? You know, he, he wanted to be in the house because he had grown up cold and with frostbitten hands and yeah. having to make fire that way. You know, he was a real old timer and um, he figured that uh, I would, I would work my way back into the house. Of course, he would have never let me starve or anything. So anyone that's like, oh my yeah. God, what a terrible child. It was a great childhood. Um, mm -hmm. He would have taken care of me, but um, there were some frustrating days. How old were you about this time? Oh you're boy, howdy. How to make your own fire. Um, so part of my condition, I do have difficulties with, with time and time frames, but I believe that the first time I went to live with my grandfather was age six. Um, most of my strongest memories are age eight, um, but it does, it does get a little bit muddled in there. Um, but I'm very young. Now, my own kids, um, our, our kids program starts at age five, which surprises a lot of people because everybody, especially because of TV, and I love TV, they help pay the bills and I, I get to do a lot of that, but um, they make us think that everybody, there's even been some famous people get in trouble for lying, pretend to be special forces, this, that, and the other thing, because we think these skills must belong to the elite, but we forget that these were the chores of the youngest right. kids in the family, the hunter and the mother had important things to do. There were buffalo to skin or the, there were there were boats to check on, and, you know, hunting to do. Um, so it was very young, which startles a lot of people, um, <clears throat> but especially something like flint and steel percussion fire with with primitive fires where we're rubbing sticks together. Um, I normally like to say around age eight is, is best, but um, for just for just whacking two things together and loving it to life, uh, we can we can start your littles off. Very matter of fact, we just did that for the history museum um, with a bunch of six year olds and they, you know, 100% um, success rate. So um, but anyway, joke was on this poor old man. He figured that these skills would change my life. And I became like a lot of autistics obsessed with you know, there's always that one thing when you go for the test. Does he per, does he always talk about trains or snakes or well, this became my thing. <laughs> um, and that poor old yeah. man spent the rest of his life cutting me out of trees and spraying me with fire extinguishers and sitting up all night with coffee, looking outside, trying to figure out if you could, in fact, sleep in a pile of slow without dying. Um, and he started using it as a reward system. He would if you can make it through this semester without getting any fights or if we can get C's, which which was a really high bar mm -hmm. for me. You know, let's let's get a C in yeah. math. Um, we'll go train with with, you know, person person X or person Y, or we'll go spend some time because of his lifestyle. There was a lot of openness, you know, we'll go spend some time on this reservation or that reservation. Or we'll go up to Alaska for the summer. Um, and, um, it was a tremendous way to grow up. And I actually didn't realize how odd it was until I joined the Marine Corps and started meeting people with other lives. As a matter of fact, the first time, um, a bunch of buddies, I mean, I had just taught a tracking class on man tracking and they said, Hey, can you track animals too? And I said, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Just, just, do you want to go hunting? I said, yeah, sure. What? I, I would like to have friends. That sounds like a great idea. You know, I'm not really hungry, but okay. <laughs> and, um, I had no idea that you actually had to have a hunting license. Um, they told me, you know, it's, 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 it's 50 bucks for food and 125 bucks for the license. And I said, Oh heck, I've been driving since I was 15. You know, I, th I thought they were scamming me. It was, it was a very different way to grow up. Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, we just, we needed food. We went and got food. It was just, it was just that simple, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. if it didn't want to be food. It would have been faster. Um, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, did, 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 that answer, did that answer your question? I, I do have to be careful because especially in, uh, um, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that did answer the question. Thank you. I, I really love the fact that your grandfather stepped up and mm -hmm. I love the fact that you were able to, to learn stuff. And I, I really think that autistic people are healed and touched so much in nature 
I just see it oh, over yeah. and over again. And I think, unfortunately, this is part of the the heartbreaking statistic on autistic children who drown. And people always say that they just have this internal wiring to water. And I, I've watched my son find bodies of water anywhere that we are. And he just finds it so soothing. And so I think he would spend all of his time just throwing rocks into water and watching the ripples and just being around the water and stick smacking it with sticks and digging in the mud. And I, I love for you that you were back. able to, <laughs> yeah, 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 it really is. I, I love for you that you were able to take your differences in a world that didn't have a place for you at that time and, and find something that you loved in the creation of how the world was actually designed for reality, right? Survival, and then make it something that you're able to thrive in and love and spread your contagious appreciation for and passion for and, and have a wife and provide for your wife and kids and do, do what you love. I think that that's, that's fantastic and, and help so many people along the way to be able to learn these skills that they don't have otherwise. But one of the things that Charlotte said, this was the, the first message that I got from her during camp week was we have this survival guy here. I think you're going to love him. He leaves every night at the same time because he has to read aloud to his kids. What in the world? And I was like, I love this. <laughs> Tell me more. And so, so I want to hear about your family's reading habits and how you do prioritize these read alouds with your kids and how you incorporate the the topic of survival and and life skills with the books that you are reading aloud. Like you mentioned Hatchet earlier, and I think that's just such an yeah. easy go-to for people because you have a kid who's trying to survive. But there's so many other books with less obvious overt survival needs, and you're able to incorporate it in. And I, I'd love for you to share with us about that. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, this is <clears throat> books – Books are a bit of a, a um, sometimes I need a bit of an intervention. <laughs> um, I, uh, my, my wife, is, I've, I've heard her make jokes before of things like, you know, I, I don't worry about Hutch I, uh, if he goes to gambling or Vegas or at a bar. I don't have to worry about any of those things. But if that man walks near a used bookstore, um, perfect example, I was just out in Vegas working a little while ago and um, the, uh, uh, I, I was willing to, I, I brought a hundred dollars. I was willing to lose. Um, I bet $5 on blackjack. I got incredibly bored. I went, I watched, uh, I, I watched a little magic show. The guy was not Lance Burton, but it was still good. Um, and then I, um, after wandering around a while, I ended up spending $300 in a used bookstore that was off the strip. Um, and not, not like, it wasn't like Vegas practice. Like this was like regular Vegas right. where it was like a regular bookstore, like $2 for this book, $4 for that book. And I was just like, Oh, I'm in so much trouble. I'll just tell her I gambled. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, so, so for me, books are, are huge um they are at many times they've been my only friends they've been my only teachers yeah. and i always tell people my condition it, it, it is a gift and a curse that there there are situations that i almost can't function in but then on the flip side i also i in within my field rather than being considered hard to work with or weird i'm considered eccentric and the guy you want to get close to you know and, and it, it is yeah. 
a great deal my my gift that, that gives me that. I do have to be cautious not to overwhelm students to, to try and match their passion because I can be too much or they'll stay up late with me. Um, and a lot of that comes from finding the right book and having these, I, I call them, my daughter coined this phrase, but conversations with dead people. I, I can sit surrounded by a group of books from, from experts from different times, from different periods, from different cultures and see what did they agree upon? Why didn't they? And something about my condition allows them to speak to me. And it's actually allowed me to, in times when I wasn't able to make a lot of money in my field, it's allowed me to jump into other fields and be I'm an expert where people are just like, you must have been doing this for 20 years. Nope, never put a roof on in my life, but boy, howdy, does it sound like it, right? And, and I do want to impart that to my children. So I try and make it fun and it has to be a priority because, um, I mean, it, it is highly likely that they will be somewhere on the spectrum, right? Um, mm -hmm. Some of the older ones already are. And um, I, I, want, I want to give them as much of that gift as possible. So I, I do it. In, a, in as fun a fashion with, with, with the reading and, and it's become a, um, any, any time I can get them to look something up because so rarely do people go, Hey, I don't know. Let's go find the answer. So, so we, we do that around the house all the time. Even if I know the answer um, or if we're reading, we always read with a note card next to us. And on that note card, we jot down ideas because we want to put them in our own stories that we tell each other. Right. Or, or we jot down things. What the heck is pemmican? What does it taste like? Would I like that? Could I live on it? What does that word mean? Do I need to look up a picture of a coracle? What is a coracle? What is this guy floating on? It's for those of you that don't know, it's it's like a, it's a handmade boat. It's a, it's a Welsh boat. We, um, we teach it. it looks uh, think canoe, but made with um, with just uh, bark or skins of an animal and, and the spines from a tree. Uh, I think I actually might have sent a picture to some of you guys. But that, anyway, um, so so we always want to look that stuff up, and, and it, it, that those things just come naturally. But then when I'm traveling to be part of their lives, I do have a set time, and I'll tell my students, look, you know, um, if you ever want to walk away, the class technically ends at five. Uh, but I will keep going. If you have questions, I'll keep going, but, but not at seven o'clock at seven o'clock. You're more than welcome to listen to the stories, but at seven o'clock, I, I will call home. Um, I'll stop whatever we're doing. You know, if you're on fire, you better stop, drop and roll, baby, uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to find a private area and um, I'm, I'm going to either read or tell my children stories. And uh, it, it can be kind of funny sometimes because I've had situations I was teaching at a school. One time. I do a lot. I, I'm, I do a lot of guest teaching. I'm brought into a lot of places. I'm very, very good at what I do, which thank God for that, because otherwise, who knows what I'd be doing? Um, but mm -hmm. uh I, I was in a situation one time. It was a very intense program, a nothing but knife program that was very long. And this school, um, their identity is basically will take you from zero to hero. And the school is, at that time, I, I would say was questionable whether or not they could do that or not. And I had a whole bunch of groups <laughs> of people that had almost no skill whatsoever. Um, and the rain's coming in, and one of the um, one of the one of the owners of the company had had taken off with a young lady that he met in the class and he had all their gear in the car. So I've got all these beginners with no gear. Uh, I've got a, I've got an ice storm rolling in. They're terrified. And my seven o'clock alarm went off and um, I looked right at him and I said, this is about to get really weird for you, but you're going to want to follow along with the story. Otherwise you're not going to make it through the night. And then I just, I have these stories that I tell my kids to sort of, for lack of a better word, um, indoctrinate them to get them conditioned to to my world and what's comfortable and um i, I follow a similar format to curious george um i call I, they're my um baby dragon and mountain man stories and this silly little dragon is always getting himself in some type of a predicament and through using these skills he, he learns oh i shouldn't sleep on that because of conduction and and convection and and i work it in and we make it fun and they start talking you see it in their own play when they're playing with their guys i gotta build something so that i can't sleep blah, blah. well so here i am looking at all these guys that want to be green berets right and i'm just telling the story and i'm like pointing to stuff baby dragon knew he had to get some dry wood lots of little pieces not too big 
big because Baby Dragon remembered the time he tried to make a fire with big wood and it didn't work. It was just smoke. And all these guys are like following along and they're breaking twigs. Now Baby Dragon knew that that storm was going to hit in about 20 minutes. So Baby Dragon really had to hustle. And when it's all said and done, the kids fall asleep. The wife comes in. She she, she says on the speakerphone, because she's putting the littlest of it at this point in time, the littlest was still um, nursing. So she would go in the other room, nurse, and the other kids would lay around the phone and, and fall asleep. And um, she says, oh, honey, they're asleep. I say, okay. So I get off the phone and, and these people look at me and they've got these primitive shelters mostly built. And we've Almost everybody's got a fire and things are going good. This, this one guy looks right at me. He says, that was amazing. I just want to know one thing. Am I mountain man or baby dragon? I said, brother, that's up to you. You get to be whichever one you want to be. Um, so, so it is something that I, I, I do. I'm almost militant in the fact that it's it's seven o'clock. I'm not home, but I will be present. And I, I go and I'll either tell them a story or I believe when I was up in Nebraska, I was leading, reading Lord of the Rings. Um, well, um, The Hobbit, actually. Um, which, which seems, people say, oh, you know, your kids are what, five years old, eight years old. And one thing I found, so I only really started the, I've been doing this industry for 46 years, um, but the going, and I've always taught Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but starting a strict, I really want this family program aggressively pursuing libraries and schools and stuff has really just been the last five years. But I mean, just this last year, we reached almost 500 families. I always let parents come to the classes for free because I do think families need to be together. We're, we're a tribal creature. You know, we, even a loner mm -hmm. will go on YouTube to tell everybody that he's a loner or go on Facebook or, you know, they can't wait to walk right up to you <laughs> to tell you how much of a loner they are, right? And it's like, oh, that's very nice for you. I'm, I'm glad to know that. So you want to hang out or what? Um, but, um, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> I confused myself there. Um, but so um, I have found in teaching these classes that somewhere along the line, we even, in this, not a parent shaming or a teacher shaming thing, but we've lowered the bar a little bit. And I have put some mm -hmm. expectations in front of these kids. Jason Marstetter is the owner of the Survival University where I do a lot of teaching. And, and he he's well aware of my condition. And he's, you know, at first he used to always be present. And I would ask him to continue. So are they doing okay? Are they doing okay? And I asked him one time, I, I gave him an outline. He said, no, no, Hutch, I don't want another scout program. We've already got that. You already designed one of those for us. I want you to replicate what it was like for you growing up as much as possible for these kids. And I said, well, Jason, how am I going to know when I go too far? And he goes, I'll tell you. And so far, he hasn't told me. And what I have found is these children again and again and again raise yeah. to my expectations. They make fires. They learn knife safety. Now, we're there with them. I don't give a bunch of six-year-olds a knife. I say, don't cut anything pink. Go over there and slay a dragon. You know, and obviously not. We ease through it. And there's everything is a system of games and steps. And, um, you know, we carve swords. And we do so much before. And they're never allowed to pull their knives out alone at, at that age. And um, But, but I, I have yet yet to be disappointed by a class and it's the same thing with the books if, if you read and you explain and you stop occasionally you say you say what do you think bilbo's going through right now right i mean he's he's left his creature comforts at home he's having his first cold night why do you think it's cold oh well dad because he is sleeping on the ground those dwarfs should tell him the conduction this, this, is, this is a five-year-old boy okay yeah. those dwarfs should tell him he needs to sleep on a fur or something because especially as small as he is hobbits are just small i don't care if he has fur on his feet he's just not going to stay warm Okay, buddy, moving mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, of course, I, I, I kind of stumbled into this habit by accident. I would pause in these books because I couldn't remember what happened next. I know the goblins are about to attack and I can't remember how scary it is. So I would I created these pauses initially to read ahead and be like, are we skipping this part? 
no, no, we can read that part because because sometimes you do have you have romantic scenes that you don't want to have to describe, or you have scenes that might be a little bit scary for any particular kid. One kid is scared of spiders, one kid is scared of vampires, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, how important is this to the story? And and I kind of just started doing my accent. I started realizing this is actually the most magical moment of our time together. They'll reread this books together. Some they don't really care so much about Bilbo. It's it's what's happening right now in between the lines. Yeah. Um, and, and it just became our habit. And it is. I do set timers. I, I will not miss them. I mean, it would have to be something, something really bad would have to be happening um, in, in order for you to miss it. And I will, as Shalisa will tell you, um, it, sometimes even to my own detriment, I'll walk right out of a conversation. I'm meeting with the the executive producer of whatever show seven o'clock rings out and I say, ma'am, I'll talk to you in about an hour. Like, I, I'm sorry, I got to go. Um, and, um, and, and it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal the connections that they make. There is no book. I, I challenge you to put a book before me. Obviously, I use the hatchet and the Hobbit is kind of... Uh, um, kind of an easy one to get there. You know, my son is not an easy one to get there, but you put a bit book before me. Um, so long as I'm familiar with it and I guarantee you, I can find something in there. Uh, my, my oldest kid, for example, not really big on the outdoors for one thing. She's in a wheelchair. Okay. Kind of difficult, huge artist. So proud of her. Um, she's in this program right now that may or may not lead to a job with Pixar out in California. She uses these skills all the time in theater and to manipulate her wheelchair. She uses knots. I got this um, uh, last year, about six months ago, I got this weird text message. Dad, if you were having to suspend something that weighed about as much of a buffalo over 350 people, how would you do it? And I need not to release really quickly. My first thought was, you know, do we still have bail money for this one? Um, but so I call her up and I'm like, kid, what, what exactly is it that we're working on here? And, and she says to me, she says, well, we're doing this play and I have to suspend a giant pump over the audience. It's, it's a play of, I forget what the, the, the name escapes me now, but it was about, it was about a ghost and it's got something with high heels and this prop needs to be suspended the whole time. And then at some point in time, the prop needs to drop something like, I don't want to exaggerate, but I believe it was over 2000 um, foam shoes onto <laughs> the stage and it needs to make weight. So it's got to, it's got to hold all this thing. I said, Oh, oh yeah, no problem kid, which means you got to do a trucker's hitch on one side. And if you want the quick release and, um, and, and I found out mm-hmm. uh, with her in particular, as I mentioned, she didn't care about the outdoors, but she would hang out with me if we went outside to paint. So rather than teaching her how to make a tripod so she could make beef jerky, something she, she liked beef jerky, but she had, she didn't want to make it. You can buy beef jerky, dad. What's wrong with you? You know, mm-hmm. um, I told her, I said, you know, kid, if you don't want to carry an easel with you, you can make mm-hmm. it easy. Look how quick that makes more room for paint. That makes more room for brushes. Yeah. And, and that was, that was how we connected. And that was how I got to teach her the skills and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so it is, it is a huge part of my family. I love family. that. I love how, how versatile a lot oh, of boy, these things howdy. can be. How you, <laughs> how you can take them and apply them. And even just listening to you share about your childhood, my brain was immediately popping with a bunch of different books that I know that those skills could be applied to like the book pancake pancake by Eric Carl. And then the book uh, thunder cake where they're, they're racing the thunderstorm to gather all the ingredients to make this cake. They only make when it's thundering by Patricia Polacco and just how the skills that you're talking about, about (coughs) making your own fire for this and all these things to make your own pancakes and whatnot that you could, you could be teaching those alongside reading these books with your kids and, there's just I feel like once your eyes are open to the fact that these skills are still doable today and it's not going to hurt anyone to know how to do them like it's only a benefit to people's potential like like your daughter knowing how to build a tripod so that she can make the easel when she wants to do art 
that's that's a very basic thing learning how to make a tripod and how many applications are there in your life for when you might even people that are doing social media right like they're out there they may need a tripod for their phone when they're trying to record something so these are just very basic skills that unfortunately are lost to so many people but i i love how you're able to to pull them in from different books like the hobbit and bilbo's making a terrible choice sleeping on a rock (laughs) he's not going to be able to stay warm and and things like that just to be able to talk through with kids um when it's everything too it's Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step. I was going to say it's everything, even roofing. Um, you can, I, I can teach you desert survival skills and it'll allow you to work on the roof longer where it's hot. My, my kid was just using, mm-hmm. he had a field day the other day at school, you know, at a sporting event and got hot and he just started using desert survival skills to cool down. Like it, it doesn't have to be no zombies, no emergencies required. You don't even have right. to like to, to camp or fish or hike so much of what we do. It is how we as human beings got to where we are. So it's, it's yeah, in our stories, it's in our human, how to yeah. human, <laughs> yeah, it, how it to really live is. and it's... abide in this body on this planet. I, have you ever gone into the mall, especially around Christmas time, done your shop and come out of the mall and thought, just where exactly did I put my car? <laughs> uh, I, I don't shop around Christmas. I get done in October. I don't like shopping around Christmas. I don't like that many people. But yes, I have lost my car. <laughs> Not your car. Okay. Um, so I use that example in class all the time because I, I do have a lot of people that it is their first time out with us. You know, um, it is there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have grown out with grown up for one reason or other without an influence like that in their lives. But now they want to break into it, especially where I live. People move to Colorado to go outdoors and, mm-hmm. and they spend all this money at REI. They do have their first camping trip. It's terrible. They were cold. It was miserable. They're like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then I get a lot of those people yeah. as my clients and I love those people. Um, but it's, um, I use the example of that because simple, simple loss proofing, trailblazing and self-mapping gets you out of that situation. By the time you've spent a weekend with me, you'll always know where your car is. Um, you'll, you'll be able to walk yeah. into numerous places and, and just be like, well, the water table's over there. You know, if nothing else, you can use primitive navigation to know where the shadow's going to be when you leave work at the end of the day. So your car is nice and cool <laughs> instead of hot from sitting mm-hmm. in the sun. Um, it really, it can be applied to so much. And, and right now, because of TV and everything, um, I've been teaching a lot of the survival because people always saw this on that show or because of Corona. Yeah. People want, I want to be prepared for at least a year. I want to be able to do what you do. Just shut the doors. Like, well, we'll check back in on you guys in a little while. But the truth of the matter <laughs> is you need none of that. It, it's fun and it's ingrained in us and it's it's so useful in every day if nothing else just being able to sharpen your knife so you can cut your tomatoes at home or your scissors yeah. or and and people don't don't stop it just the cool uh, survival skills I, my my kid's teacher was blown away the other day because he, he ripped his pants really bad he walked over his backpack got out his sewing kit and ripped up his trousers and she was just like i, I can't believe i can't believe you're not self-reliant i don't care how many fires you can make with sticks if you can't change your tire or sew up your britches you're not self-reliant like it's it's more than just mm-hmm. the fun you know let's let's slay a dragon with our knife between our teeth crocodile dundee indiana jones moments it's 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 the full yeah. embodiment of what our ancestors did so that we could sit here in in the way that we're sitting here now yeah. So if people don't have access to attending classes with you, what mm-hmm. are your top resources that you would recommend for for parents? So <laughs> my husband did not fish a lot. Eric didn't go fishing when he was a kid. And our 10-year-old that I told you is autistic and loves water, he wants to fish the Mississippi. Like this is his 
most recent bucket list item that he's obsessed with. And Eric's like, I'm going to have to take a weekend just to learn how to fish myself so I can help him know which knots to tie in. And things yeah. to do. so for people that, that want like adults that don't have the skills, but want to acquire them to be able to pass them on to their children, what are the resources, books or otherwise that you would recommend for starting? Um. Well, of course, the number one resource would be my company, right? Ready, Set, Adventure Box. I mean, exactly. how could you go wrong? Um, so with that, what I did is I actually, I created a company that um, we actually send us like an instructor in the box. I got the idea from, there used to be a magic course called Tarbell Course in Magic, and they would send lessons to magicians around the world once a month and now the books are published yeah. I mean, you can find copperfields tricks in the office and i thought how cool would it be uh and I, I came up with the idea right before corona and then corona hit and i was like really how cool would it be if i would just send this stuff to people and you know they have everything they need in the box to go and they have books references so um something like that i really do think is phenomenal because you can reach out you can you can talk to the author you can watch videos of him and his kids you know do, doing that kind of stuff and we do all kinds of stuff with that now getting away from shameless self-promotion um i think you're probably thinking like, you know, what kind of books can we do? What kind of um, technology? A lot of people are sometimes surprised. I'm not, I'm not anti-technology. Um, I, I think it can be dangerous. Like there's certain things you need to know. Like most people don't know that your cell phone can be set to three different kinds of North and it's, it's not always uniform within uh, one iPhone to another. One might be set to GPS. Another might be set to satellite, mm -hmm. which is actually different. People don't always know that uh, one might be set to uh, magnetic or true. And if you're going to switch methods, you know, if you, if you, if your compass is set to true North, uh, excuse me, if your phone is set to true north and you're relying on a compass, if one of those two items breaks, the other yeah. one is not a good backup. So um, there are some issues mm -hmm. with technology, but if used properly, if you find the right resources, um, YouTube can be great. You can find great instructors on there. Um, for books, boy, howdy. I mean, there's just, I mean, books are, that's where it's at. Um, a part of the reason I get to do what I do is most people stop their search at Google. You know, they'll look something up mm -hmm. and they'll be like, oh, mm -hmm. nobody has how to make fire with this technique out there. It must not be done. I'll shoot a quick YouTube video on it. And people are like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then they come to our school and I show them 50 ways that different tribes around America used to do it that I either learned in person or from books. And with a book, when someone sits down and takes the time to write, they're going to put all of their own experiences in there. Like, like when I write the field manuals that, that I write for Dropstone Press, I, it's, it's all about retelling the story of the people that I learned it from and the things that I did. And, and every author is going to do that. You're going to get their, their life experiences. What mistakes did they make? What, why did this skill work a little bit differently from them for other people? So what pick do we pick? I mean, you, you go to Barnes and Noble and they've got a whole aisle now because it's popular, right? Um, do, mm -hmm. do you want me to make a specific book recommendation or just a, a vague? I mean, yes. Uh, okay. Some specific um, book recommendations. I know that with herb, herbs, there's some people who the books are just dangerous oh <laughs> and my when gosh, you're yeah. beginning and, and you don't know and you're going in and you're like oh i'll do i'll do this book but it's yeah. not really practical like this book assumes you already know a lot more than you do so i'm looking for some specific book recommendations for yeah. people that really are at a beginning level alongside their kids or or their kid wants to do it by themselves and so they just want a book that they can hand to the kid I, I would say um, one of the best books out there, um, hands down, full disclosure, the author is a very close friend and mentor of mine. Um, but if he wasn't, if, if I, if you made me pick a few books, which 
probably will be a question at some point in time. This, this normally is. You know, people always want to know, if you were trapped on a desert island, what book would you have? Yeah. Well, obviously, escaping a desert island. That's a silly question. But um, but everybody always says something like, oh, I would have my favorite book or the Bible, or I want how to live fruitfully on a desert island. That's the book that I want, you know, or how to escape. But in, anyway, um, j- just full disclosure, but even if, if this man was an absolute scumbag and we detested each other, this is a book, if I could go back in time, would have saved me so much time because there was a time period where just because someone's an expert in the field doesn't mean they can teach it. Right? right. You see this in sports, you see this in all the kind kind of things. You're, you know, Customato was arguably one of the greatest boxing coaches to ever live. Um, but even I could have probably beat him in a fight. Not his students, but him, you know. So there's some people yeah. that, that can teach but can't do. And there's other people that can do that can't teach. And because of that, there was a big time period in, in kind of the Rambo era where you had a lot of great authors who could explain things, but they didn't really live the lifestyle. And sometimes they were mm-hmm. cribbing their information from not the most reliable sources. Um, and there were a lot of not um, military manuals often, especially at that time period. Um, they often had misleading information in them on purpose. Because remember, we don't mm-hmm. want our enemy picking up the manual, right? I mean, that's what, right. that's what, um, that's what Patton did, right? He read Rommel's book, you know, so he, he knew where those tanks were going. You know, remember the, the famous shout yeah. on the battlefield? I read your book, right? Um, but anyway, I mean, it changed the course of a war, right? Well, at least that portion uh-huh. of the battle. So um, I, there, there was a period of time where the books were terrible, just mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. And, and that just happened to be the time period I was growing in. So what I would recommend is find really old books where, where the people were absolutely, these these were manuals being used you, to keep people alive. You have alive. not actually said your friend's book's title yet. Oh my goodness, thank you. Um, Yeah, so his book is um the one I would recommend. He's got a whole bunch of them and I, I want to get the title just right. It is um Build the Perfect Bug Out Survival Skills by Creek Stewart. If I could go back in time and hand Little Hutch one book, um, it would be How to Invest in Google. But the second book would be um, <laughs> the second book would be that book because it would have I have no idea where I would be now because everything in there was practiced and proven. Um, that was not the first book of his I've read. We, we were already friends by that point in time, but I remember the first book of his that I read it was like this guy does this stuff. Like it was there were the little yeah. Things I had learned the hard way. It wasn't just the same right. dogma being um, repeated. And, and this book right here, um, it, it is aimed at um, dealing with. Um, he, he teaches specifically. He teaches a lot of stuff that his he, he teaches um, disaster preparedness. And he's on the Weather Channel and stuff. He he's got a, a pretty serious show where he actually it's more about teaching than drama and stuff. And so it does have a bit of that slant. But there's so much fun stuff in there. There's there's fishing tricks. There's fire making tricks for for anyone that wanted to fake this. I, actually, I'll take it a step further. If you wanted to be an instructor in my field, if you already understood business and you devoted yourself to that book for about a year, mm-hmm. I think most people would not believe that you did not have massive amounts of training. Um, it's a phenomenal, mm-hmm. it's easy to understand. It's fun to read. The skills are practical and realistic. They're, they're practiced and proven. Um, and I have no stock in that company. It's, it's not it's not the same publisher that I work for. Um, while I do work for him occasionally, and he is a friend, he he doesn't pay or endorse me, nor does he nor does he need my endorsements. Um, he uh, yeah. I, I've gained much more from our friendship than he ever has. Um, it's it's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal book. Um, a very close second to that would be either the old books written by James Beard or I I don't remember mm-hmm. um, Ellsworth. Uh, 
the book is called Woodlore, Ellsworth Yeager, the same spelling as the alcohol. Um, and these were gentlemen that actually lived in the time periods right before such statements as um, save the man, kill the Indian became popular. So these were people trying mm -hmm. to preserve a culture. Now you have to take right. with these old books. <laughs> you, you might not want to just toss it to your kid because there were some some beliefs and opinions or just words that were used completely in a different context that we might use. And, you know, yes. with small influential minds, I, I don't want to give a vulgar example, but I think we can all think of, of, of some word over the time yeah. that's changed. And then um, they were used oftentimes innocently or other times there were just some beliefs that just were simply, now we know it, that's just not necessarily true. Um, but those two gentlemen were preserving culture. So great books. Um, and with those, uh, with, with, with just Creek's book alone, like I said, you could, you could run, a basic class. I mean, you know, nobody would, would yeah. think that you were super, you know, you would know all, every single, but nor was that the intention of the book. Um, but you could right. literally run a basic class and no one would know that you hadn't been to some extensive program. That's awesome. What about butchering? Because oh, yeah, that's that's a special one for you, right? Before, and you've <laughs> talked about how, how yeah. you use all of the animal. And I know Amanda was super impressed yeah. with with that. And, and they do some of their own butchering and want to do more. So do you have a book recommendation? No. Well, yes and no. So kind of for, for the way you're going. So Creek does cover um, butchering small animals. Um, he also okay. takes care of now you've caught the fish. Great. You used all these primitive skills. Now, how do we yeah. how do we clean it? How do we cook it? How do we how do we clean ourselves? Right. We we're um, yeah. our, our, our ancestors are often depicted as God help me naked and afraid. Right. Or or almost mm -hmm. stupid bumbling through life as or as as these nasty creatures. Well, frankly, if any of that was true, we would have evolved differently. We would have better microflora in our stomachs. We would be able to eat different things. Mm -hmm. Our ancestors were if you go to a museum and actually see what the Viking games looked like. I love Uhtred Ragnarsson as much as the next guy, but he didn't exist, not the way he's depicted in the movies, right? Um, <laughs> you see these, and they were a lot cleaner. They were a lot so... Um, Th those skills are super valuable. They're, they're described at small game. If you if you can do a squirrel, you can do a cow for the most part. Now I know specifically you're asking about a sp some very specific stuff, finding specific parts for, for diet and stuff. And for that, we actually have a guy. The way that class um, work that we talked about is um, we have a gentleman. He's won numerous awards, and that's not my industry, so I can't off the top of my head name them. And I can certainly, for your listeners, I can ask him what number one book he would recommend. But um, we just call him Jason the Butcher, and he that, that is his. That is all he does. He comes in, and he'll um, we do a lot of this stuff, especially with Army Special Forces and stuff. And he will um, he will teach them. We'll have some pigs or some sheep or whatever. And these animals are pampered and spoiled, and most of the year they have a better life than any pig or sheep is ever going to have. But there is an end goal for that animal. Um, we, mm -hmm. we, we do honor them. They are treated very, very well. Every student who comes through loves them and feeds them carrots and spoils them. And we had a sheep this last season that was sleeping with the students. So it was like, okay, that big teddy bear sheep, right? But on game day, um, he, he is he is killed as mercifully as possible. Um, and then Jason shows them how to properly butcher, get everything out of there, how to, how to find the, the best things, the, the, the healthy fat, the not healthy fat, the pieces. Where I come into play is using the rest of the animal. Here's how to cook in the stomach. Here's how to use the brain to turn this flesh into clothing. What do we do with the left le leftover flesh? Actually, we can make a glue that will support a an obese person in a chair or a super strong glue. We teach all that stuff, how to turn the bones into tools. Um, now, what books did I get that stuff from? Once again, I, I would take you to those three, bo three books because Creek has it with all the small game survivally stuff you would think. Then mm -hmm. you've got you've got Jaeger. He, he talks about the buffalo and the antelope and turning it into pemmican and hardtack. And, and in order to do that, yeah. you must find the specific cuts of meat. Now, these old timers, almost all the pictures were hand-drawn. 
So you may want to have a reference to go with it. You may want to look it up occasionally and be like, well, what, what is this part? Oh, okay. It's, why didn't he just say, but okay. And then, you know, they have all that, but he's got charts in there. Um, and I think for, for anyone that's interested in what I do rather than becoming like Jason, the butcher is more, you know, five-star culinary, the chef kind of side. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure he would know the difference between all the ways he has to do something for it to be kosher and non. I I, I don't know that. <laughs> um, but yeah. um, I can see if what, what number one book you would recommend in that place. But honestly, for something like that, I would recommend a live class if you want to go that far yeah. down the rabbit hole to just learn how to process your game and use it to its most. Um, I, I would stick with those three. And I'm trying to remember. So James those Beard. Those are great. He, yeah, he actually had a program before the Boy Scouts, which is funny because he wasn't particularly well in his. I mean, obviously, I didn't know him, but in his writing, you get the feeling that there was a bit of a an issue between him and and um, Baden Powell. kind of a I came first kind of a thing. But then later on, uh-huh. he becomes a heavy hitter for for Boy Scouts, which is a shame because most people only reference his books post Boy Scout area because it's it's you know that first off they're worth a lot of money people are always looking for him and mm-hmm. his his book it's I think it was called the American Scouts of Daniel Boone um it's it's not in the there are bookshelves everywhere in my house for those of you watching you can see the mess <laughs> it is my poor wife's world um but it's in a different bookshelf um but uh that book I I mean it, it I get so much credit because I paid attention and read that book. There are so many skills. Yeah. I had this librarian that was so patient, God bless her. And I would come to her after reading something in a book. It didn't matter. It could be a book about spies. And they'd be like, What? How did he do this? And she'd go to the card catalog and help me. And I can't tell you how many times we pulled that book out and she eventually gave it to me. Um and it Aww. if you have good reading comprehension, if you're if you're patient and you'll spend time with it, um it, it is uh it is just everything you need to know about the outdoors. Um, I love the fact that you, you, you talked about how you don't just read books to your kids. You tell these stories. mm -hmm. And I think that's so beneficial to be able to give the specific knowledge that someone holds personally. And I think that we, we don't spend enough time telling our own stories and sharing what we know. And as an adult, I have found that people who care about something instinctively become storytellers in order to make other people care. There were some people who um, for years until I don't even know why we stopped. I think we just stopped because we, we just forgot. I need to contact them again, but there were people who for years we were buying bison from Mm -hmm. here in Iowa and they own a bison ranch in Southwest Iowa. And it's this, older couple, a man and a Native American woman, and they have been together for like 30 years. And they worked together as rangers at Yellowstone for oh, the wow. length of their career. And she was the wolf, she was the wolf specialist. He was the bison specialist. And then when they retired from Yellowstone, they started this bison ranch. And the stories that they would tell about bison were just fascinating. And he would always talk about how much respect you have to have for the females mm-hmm. of a species. And I loved that. I love hearing that from any men because <laughs> there's so many men who don't say that, that it's it's encouraging to know that there are men who recognize that. But his stories with the female bison, he was like, we never butcher the oldest females of the herd. He's like, we always keep them and revere them because they teach the rest of the herd how to be bison 
And yeah. he said that if you if you start from scratch with a new herd every year, your cows will your bison will always be sick. And he said that it's because they eat things that they shouldn't. But if yeah. you keep the elderly females, they will teach everyone what to eat and when. And he's like, this is a learned practice. Like you can't, you can't as the farmers communicate this as the ranchers to your, to your bison, they need to know it from their own type. And his main example was they have all these apple trees. And he said that the apples fall and the young bison want to go and eat them and the older bison won't let them. If they go and eat the apples when they fall, everybody gets sick. And he said that after the first frost, then the older bison let the younger bison go and eat the apples because the starch has turned to sugar or the sugar turned to starch. I forget which happens, but whatever happens, now they're digestible for the bison. And so they're able to get all these more nutrients into their system than they would if they were just eating hay in a barn because they're able to actually put them out on pasture and know that the old old ladies are going to make sure that nobody hurts themselves and that everybody eats all the good stuff at the right time and but they would just like stand in our living room when they had come to drop off our our meat and just like tell us stories about the bison for hours and 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 about cookbooks that they were reading and they they were like yeah you know this is our this is our bathroom cookbook the book is this thick and the, <laughs> it's like a four inch cookbook this is like old French cookbook but he's like this tells you how to use all the parts that nobody else uses and that's what they would sell you like that's part of why we we went with the bison over beef was because we actually got all the parts that legally you can sell in Iowa because they they would do the butchering themselves and they would um, make sure you got all the good stuff. So I just I love hearing you tell your stories and I love how you have your baby dragon and old <laughs> mountain man stories that that you're able to just consistently use to communicate the stuff to your kids. I just, well, I and, encourage and everybody kids, to... but people you're teaching. <laughs> students everything I, i'm a big fan of i, I love mythology you know what the um i forget that mm-hmm. the author's name up uh, um bansfield i think or whatever uh but anyway um par- parables fables it's amazing how read one of those a day stick it in the bathroom t- set your phone down you don't need it all the time instagram yeah. will wait uh you'll have just as many likes when you're done on the thunder throne as you did when you went in there <laughs> um but read something like that and it's amazing how many times with a little bit of tweaking that story can become your own and it's exactly what a big or little adventure needs to hear. It's exactly what a wife needs to hear. It's exactly mm-hmm. what a husband needs to hear. Um, it's, it's exactly what you need to hear. You know, yeah. um, I, I would, and, and, and those stories, I, I, I'm trying to remember the exact wording. There was this old, um, actually the last field menu I, I wrote was about him. Um, he was an old crow man. And he said that to me one time about um, my gift for gab, he called it, but my storytelling, he said, remember that, stories and music create communities um because mm-hmm. when you share stories or when you share music um and that's not always for the best you know i mean this has been used you know you see it by sometimes hateful groups or sometimes you know it, right. it, um, but 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 stories and music create communities and so it's the thing that i do with my students i i do tell some of my own personal stories and i do i want to know their story after i've sent them on navigation i mm-hmm. i have them sit with me <laughs> what was it like out there what did you see what did you find um because I'm, I'm just so blessed to be in the presence and i have yet 
to have an instance where I don't learn something from a student from their story. And they're just like, well, I could tell yeah. blah, blah, blah. Or, um, or, you know, they tell me something about a bison from their own life. And it's amazing with a little bit of prompting, even the most isolated human being, you know, will tell you stories that, that just blow your mind. Um, but sometimes people need, especially nowadays, we need a little bit of help um, or permission almost to, to share our stories, yeah. um, which is wonderful in my field because it's, um, it comes very organically, for lack of a better way to put it, um, because we are around the fire and, you know, the old tribes, well, heck, not just old, even now, I, I get to live with these indigenous people all the time, the Maasai, the, the Athabascans, and the Glee Man um, uh, will walk around telling the stories or, or the, the, um, the, the elder lady or the, while everybody else is making baskets, or everybody else is making cordage, and these stories hold the secrets you know a perfect example would be the song mm -hmm. over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go well you know that probably led somewhere but th there would be these stories about the great manitou or about beowulf and and within these stories would be the techniques and the skills themselves or there would be the map if you could remember the story you know if, if you walked towards yeah. the place of worship for x amount of days until you crossed mm -hmm. this river where so-and-so slayed that thing um and, and yeah. it's, we're pre-programmed for it so People will open up and everyone, everyone is a geek about something, okay? Mm. Um, whether it's a diehard, super popular football guy, that guy knows everything about, I don't know football people, so Joe Montana, he's yeah. football, right? Okay, okay, so, so that guy knows everything about Joe Montana I, or, or something else, yeah. you know, or yeah. um, or or that, that, that super gorgeous, beautiful cheerleader. She's got something. It could be survival. It could be cheerleading. It could be gymnastics. Mm -hmm. It could be cooking. It could be, heck, she might be able to work her way around a Mustang that would blow you in your mind. Yeah. And, and when you give people permission yeah. to tell you that story, that's when you, you really fall in love and you really know each other and you form these senses of communities and, and, you, and you learn things and you form bonds and you make connections. And then all of a sudden you find your own self opening up to stories. And, and, and those yeah. stories, sometimes they, they cross and they mesh and they blend and then you know magic yeah. Yeah. but but stories do they absolutely are something that we all share and they unite us and i think that i just really want to encourage people to ask other people for their stories and i about two weeks ago i took a 24-hour personal retreat for my mental health. And I went to the Amana colonies here in Iowa and stayed at a hotel. And I went to the bar that night to get a salad. And there were all these railroad men sitting there and they were in town for some testing and they had been throwing back shots for the past two hours because I'd passed them when I went to my room when I checked in. <laughs> and I just, I sit down and they immediately want to know my name. And um, the bartender, she was so funny. She was like, she like leans over and she's like, they're harmless. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I told them my name, but I, they wanted to know what I was doing in town and they wanted to know what I did. And I, I mentioned that I, you know, I, I, talked about reshelving Alexandria and the podcast a little bit and just how much I love kids and how I have this passion for emotional intelligence and specifically helping kids know how to grieve well and what grieving well looks like and specifically around the areas of death and dying. And they immediately were like, tell me more. They were like, you are our shrink for the night. And they, they told me they were like, when you join the railway, you are told 
that your train will eventually kill someone. And it's not if, it's when. And I was like, whoa. And I and there's there's this 19-year-old kid who's sitting by the water pot because that's all he can drink. And then and then these other guys that are in their 30s and have been doing this for a lot longer. And I was like, what type of preparation do you get for this? Like <laughs> beyond the knowledge and being nervous every day. And they were like, well, they tell us it's going to happen. They tell us that we'll get three days off when it happens. And not everyone comes back, which is why there's the turnover that there is in the train industry. Oh, what and a terrible thing. Now this horrible thing has happened. Yes, Let's isolate yes. for three days. And, <laughs> right, right. And I was like, so I was like, so what what care do they provide after it happens? And they were like, you talk to other people who have experienced it. Like that's that's what that's you it. can do. And I was like, okay, well, my belief is read it before you need it. So pull your phones out because you're not going to remember this in the morning. <laughs> so they all like pulled their phones out. They all opened their notes app. And I gave them like five book recommendations each. And some of them were picture books because they have kids. And I was like, you know what? Read these to your kids anyway and internalize them yourself. And then other books were, were um, like The Body Keeps the Score, which mm. – really addresses PTSD and trauma and was written for vets. And I was like, you know, you're going to end up with PTSD. A lot of you are based on what you're sharing has happened to other people when this happens. So, so let's talk about it. But I mean, we ended up talking about death and dying and books and stories that other people have shared that I've read for two hours. And it was <laughs> like, I could tell it was therapeutic for them to feel like, there were resources out there. There were people who have experienced this type of stuff outside the field and to just feel heard. Like this was clearly a burden they all were carrying, especially the 19 year old. He said that there's a homeless encampment in Des Moines that is way too close to the tracks on a blind curve. Oh. And he said that he's gone on his days off and talked to the people in the encampment and told them like, we have to slow down to 35 miles per hour so you can't hear us coming around the bend because of how slow we're going, but it's still too fast for us to be able to stop. And you cannot be as close to the tracks as you are. And you need to cross here where you can see us instead of crossing here. Like just the care that he was taking for his fellow man and trying to protect himself by not having to experience this. It was, it was, it was a very rewarding conversation and also like heavy conversation, but I was just glad that we were able to sit there and share our stories and for how many fireballs and they were, they were I've always struggled with being around people and it's a little easier when I'm teaching. It's easier that people have direct questions because I have an outline yeah. to work from and I'm not quite so all over the place, but he used to tell me all the time, especially if I was having trouble with friends or, you know, um, an interest in somebody or something. He would say, if you want to be interesting, be interested. You know, he said, you yeah. let them start telling their stories. You let them start telling. And, and all of a sudden people in, um, it, it is true because later on I read something very differently in a book, um, making friends and influencing people by Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how he is oftentimes um, referred to as this great communicator. And it's a very interesting person. He says, most of the time I show up at a party and I don't say a word. I just, you know, I, I sit there and I let people talk to me and then they go away mm -hmm. and they talk about how interesting I am. <laughs> but if you actually, if, <laughs> if you actually ask that person, oh, really, you know, what's his favorite color? What's he do for a living? They're like, I don't know, but he was yeah. great. He was just great. Yeah. Um, cause, cause we do, we all, we've all got a story to tell and we don't always have permission to tell it. Like, I mean, 
imagine having, you know, you've got all these people, each of them probably needed to talk to each other. And now you've got this mm -hmm. pretty and educated person who's interested in them and says, it's actually okay for each and every one of you guys to take a step back from the machismo and be like, you know, I'm not super comfortable with the idea of my train going over somebody. Um, yeah. And that, that permission can be such, wow, what an amazing valuable gift that you gave for them because it takes just the right person to unlock that door. They all wanted to have that conversation. They've all yeah. probably wanted to have that conversation. A lot of nights, a lot of fireballs, but they weren't having that conversation um, until yeah. someone. And, and, and what you said about giving them permission, the giving permission really, it does unlock doors because yeah. they were given permission. So they had their hard conversation. And then at, the end of dinner, the bartender came out, this 50-something-year-old big black man to have the last round of shots with everybody. And they were like, this is our bar shrink right here. And <laughs> she's going to talk to us about grief and death and dying. And so if there's anything you're sad about, he came over and he told me about his divorce and he told me about how sad it made – like just – I mean, this man's straight sober, right? He's been cooking all night and he just like, he had this permission to share yeah. his story with someone and to get some feedback. And he was soberly taking notes about the books that I was recommending. And I think he was going to read them. And the the bartender, she, she was talking about how like some of the picture books I was recommending, she'd read with her kids and how helpful they were for the kids over um, one of them had lost their dad like he just was oh, absent yeah. and so just being able to deal with the grief of that was really good and then the the railway man who was furthest down the bar he came around to talk with me and he was like you know I just want you to know that I'm pretty high I think he said he was the president but like he's pretty high up in the Lions Club that he's part of in the Quad Cities and he said we have this program with Scholastic where we give a book to every kid who is school age in our city every year until they graduate and he's like I'm just I'm so proud of this program we worked so hard to get it and I thought you would want to know and I was like I do want to know like thank you for sharing that with me and letting me celebrate with you like that's a great program and I'm I'm so glad about it but he had two little kids and he wanted to make sure that he had heard the titles of these picture books and then the bartender and him they had both read maybe tomorrow and i love that book with every fiber of my being and i have given away so many copies it's like the third most purchased book for me on amazon and that's saying a lot <laughs> so because there are some books i've been buying and giving away for years um but i just i love that book and and the lady behind the bar she was like Oh, Elba, Elba and Norris. And I was yeah. like, yes, Elba and Norris. Like, thank you for like, not only just saying you read it, but proving you read it. You know? <laughs> people are like, oh yeah, I've read it. Sure you have, you know, but like she knew and she's like, we love Elba and Norris. And he was like, yeah, my kids love that book. So I just, I loved being able to, yes, give permission and then watch them extend that permission to more people and just that domino effect. And this is, this is why I do what I do. Like you do what you do, Hutch, and I love it. And books is my thing. And you know, I I don't know if I've come right out and said it on the podcast, but I'm also autistic and I got an adult diagnosis, which helped to explain a lot of the challenges and difficulties in my childhood. But books and story have always been my thing. It's how I learned to interpret what other people were thinking and why they were thinking it and what they were doing and what to expect from people because people don't behave the way that 
my brain says they should behave, but they do behave the way the books say that they will behave. So that's really helpful to be able to at least anticipate a lot of situations, whether it's logical or not. Why are people so illogical, Hutch? And so, so I just, I love books and I love story and I love how they, they are so powerful in our lives because I say it at the end of every episode, like the stories are truer than true. Like they are, the stories are truer than true. They're all a reflection of the true story. The story that God has laid out from the beginning of time to the end of time. And we're just, we're living our portion of the story. And I, I love seeing your contributions to this story that's being told and all the lives that you're able to pour into. And I'm sure that you give a ton of people permission to be themselves and to have the interests that they have and to learn new skills and to feel empowered in the world around them. And um, we will be linking to your website in the show notes for people that want to to see what um, Hutch offers in these, these boxes. And then Hutch has agreed to come back again and talk with us specifically about Echo Mountain. I love Echo oh, yeah. Mountain. Amanda <laughs> loves Echo Mountain. And we asked Hutch when we talked to him before privately if he would read it because we thought there were just so many things in it that he would be able to expound upon and maybe give some ideas for how you could do some projects with your own kids following along what's going on in that story and he's graciously agreed to do that but to do that episode is going to be all a ton of spoilers about echo mountain so we want that to be separate so we wanted an episode that didn't have any spoilers for you guys to get to know hutch and then be looking for that one in the coming months but we really appreciate your time and charlessa as we all know, Hutch is a speed talker. And so I want to make sure that if you had anything that you wanted to contribute or ask or ask a clarifying question about that, you had an opportunity to do that. No, what I appreciate about all of us coming to the table is that we all have our own stories. And that's the whole point of reading a book or reading a story or or participating in something is to gain a story and spark another interest in us. So Mm -hmm. we can expand on it. And when we read a book to our kids, that was my biggest struggle. We'd read a book, we throw it aside. We weren't like sparking anything. And that's what Pitch brings to the table when he'd say he has a library program. Well, let's just say it was oceans this year that the public library was doing was oceans. Well, he would list all these ocean books and tell you how they really were surviving. That's what Mm -hmm. rang true to me is like, we could read this book and actually see the truth of it. Reading my side of the mountain and the kid's struggling. Well, why is he struggling? Because he has a vitamin deficiency. Well, let's talk about Mm -hmm. this. He's observing Mm -hmm. the animals. Let's talk about this. Let's do all those things. And so I just, yes, I, Hutch came to our camp. He did what he needed to do, but then it also we bonded as friends and as fellow book lovers. So I'm <laughs> grateful I was able to tie you all together. We really appreciate the introduction. Hutch, is there any final thoughts that you have that you want to share with people or things that you want to encourage people in in their reading? Everything you can get your hands on. <laughs> um, no, I um, one thing I, I did do real quick is I, I think I might have said James Beard. That's that's the cook. Um, I, I went ahead and I was looking at one of her books. I was like, that's bothering me. The actual book is called Book of Camp Lauren Woodcraft. That was the one I couldn't remember. 
Um, great book. And, uh, so I wanted to throw that in just because I couldn't remember the name. And I think yeah. I said they're wrong. His name is Daniel Beard. And I think I said James Beard, which was the famous Daniel cook. Beard. Yes. Also great books, but you're going to be like, what does this have to do with Boy Scouts? I was like, I feel like there was a beard, but he went on to <laughs> yeah. be a chef. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's a 200 year old chef. You better learn something in 200 years. You know, yeah. Uh, if you, if you can't make donuts after 200 years, boy, howdy, have you failed the mission? Um, so no, I, I did, that, that happens sometimes I say a right B and meme C. Um, yes. but no, as far as reading, don't don't limit yourself. Don't I mean, don't just read the classics because that poster in the library told you it would make you well read. You know, don't just read mm-hmm. fantasy because you like fantasy. I mean, gentlemen, read a couple romance novels. Your your wife will say thank you. I mean, you know, it's uh, everything. Everything yeah. you can get your hands on something you don't understand. Uh, pick it up. Um, Tarzan, for the love of Pete, if you think you love Tarzan, read those books. Because if you think that Tarzan was raised by gorillas or that his parents <laughs> died in a, in a, I mean, the whole first chapter about his parents could be a book in itself. And actually, there's a, that's fascinating in itself. Tarzan teaches himself through books because his parents were very much alive mm-hmm. for the first several. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he learns all the skills he'll need later on. And he's always been one of my favorite heroes. So go to the source, find those stories. You know, you can still watch the Disney version. Phil Collins' soundtrack for that was great. But <laughs> go to the source of stuff yes. find out what was conan actually like before arnold got his hands mm-hmm. on him you know and what was you know you, you've got a kid you don't understand um well as, as much as i dislike the book catcher in the rye give it a read remember what it was like to be an angry teenager you know um yeah. you use the books for what they were meant to take, take people's stories and and spend a little bit of time in their brain cave and and and, and just kind of take yourself back to where you need to be and it's all there it's all i can't tell you how many times i've met a friend and they've been like, where'd you learn the skill from your book? No, you didn't, you know, because you read between the lines and you're, um, or are you, uh, you know, I've borrowed books from people and uh, they'll see something like, where'd you learn this from the book I borrowed? You read it, right, man? So sit down and and spend time with the characters as someone who's had the privilege to write. I meet people occasionally like, oh, I loved your book. I I read it all in one day. And it's like, wow, what a shame. (laughs) You know, did did you ever close your eyes and smell the campfire? Did you, did you suffer for a minute with my heroine and wonder, is she going to pull this together and get out of here did you you know did you i get to spend lengthy periods of time on these adventures and while i love the voraciousness and, and your passion for it would you mind rereading it for me and you know, sitting down and, yeah. and spend some time close your eyes smell the campfire taste the food and 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 be scared for them um and then when you're done write something in the front and give it out as a card i i despise um i won't say a specific name but greeting cards for the same price of yeah. a greeting card you can get a used book that has tremendous meaning to yeah. you and the reader and you can write a message inside. And I like the corny, funny jokes and, you know, and everything in, in, a, in, a, in a card that you might get from, from wherever. Um, but, but use those old books, spread them out because, you know, no matter how many times yeah. you read Moby Book, Dick, it always ends the same. So give it to a fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's a, when you need to read it again, go to a used bookstore or go to a library. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you're traveling, you know, don't discount. There's so many free audio programs at libraries and stuff there. There is no excuse, no matter how busy you are, no matter how you, you want to spread your spirituality, you want to be a better parent, you want to be a, there, there are books that are going to speak to you. Listen to them, read them, write them for goodness sakes, you know? Um and uh, yeah. and then recommend them to me because I don't want to miss anything. I've only got, you know, one of my biggest fears <laughs> is that, you know, I mean, time goes so quick and pretty soon it'll be my time to go to the happy hunting ground and there will be so many stories I didn't get to embark upon yet. Yeah, that's very, 
very good advice. I'm going to, because of what you were sharing there, I'm going to, about using cards, books as cards, I'm going to share a quick story before we part ways. But my, my love language is the, is words and the written word, especially. And so when I was in high school, I had a, um, I know they weren't cool anymore, but I had an autograph album and I would ask people to write me notes when I met them. And they would just like write a little thing about having met me and spent the summer with me at a camp or a leadership training program that I went to. And people would write funny things like the one thing I learned from you is that listening to Unchained Melody on repeat for 20 hours isn't the worst thing in the world. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, undiagnosed autism, like finding ways to just self-soothe. I would just listen to my grandparents' favorite songs and they were very, very calming. And people thought that was the weirdest thing. But people would like write me little notes. And then when Eric and I were um, recording, he would write me long emails and long letters because it was long distance because he was away at college. And so I thought this was going to be the state of our marriage was I would continue getting the <laughs> word from him, but that well dried up when we got married. And it's something I've always really missed is cards from him. And so he, three years ago, he started what he calls twaddleness. So twaddle is a word that's given to books that have no real value. And my husband's not really a reader, but for twaddleness, which goes from like St. Nicholas Day up until Christmas, I get a book a day from him. And most of them are garbage. And he, he'll just go to the bookstore. <clears throat> he knows they're garbage. It's, it's twaddle, right? So he'll go to the bookstore to like the $1 section, the clearance section. And the first year he did it, he found books where every day he gave me a different book and the title was something about a different stage in our relationship. And then on the inside page, he would just write a, a short letter to me about how that title reminded him of something that we had gone through in our marriage or in our friendship before our marriage. And it just was this timeline of our relationship. And some of these books are like really bad and I don't want to have them in the house. So I, I just like tear the, <laughs> the note page out and put it in a box it. and then we recycle yeah. the book. But, um, but I get a, a book every day. And then last year they were more like event based, like things that have happened. And so some of them were about specific health things like, you know, this, a gluten-free Bible or different things that we've, we've done. Some of those books were actually like useful and, and we kept some of them, but Twaddlemas is my, the highlight of my year because I get like 12 days of letters all in a row. And it's kind of cool. Um, and it is, it's cheaper than cards and it fills my love tank. So <laughs> if you, well, if you yeah. guys want to participate in Twaddlemas, you can Twaddlemas your, your loved ones. Well, there's, there's so many great ways. I, I pretty much use the Princess Bride book to propose to my wife. I mean, there's just so many ways, you know, there's so many. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite books, but uh, they're, they're it's great. A, and they have more meaning, even if, even if the meaning is, I just want to see you smile, you know, <laughs> or yeah. they have. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of, what's he going to do if you ever decide that? you like one of these books. I mean, he's opening up kind of a Pandora's <laughs> box there, isn't he? What if, what if he ends up being, oh God, now, now we have to read 68 books around. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't read them himself. He just gives them to me. But last year was, was the first year that I, I think I kept like five of them. I was like, five of these aren't twaddle, Eric. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're losing your touch <laughs> finding, finding <Yeah>. sheer twaddle. <laughs> yeah. So. 
<laughs> but thank you so much, Hutch, for your time. Yes. We really appreciate it. And thank you, Charlessa, for hanging out with us and making the introduction. And this was so much fun. And I'm really looking forward to a conversation about Echo Mountain. Yeah. And we will be linking to all the books and resources that we talked about here and to Hutch's um, website. And I'm sure on your website, there's probably contact information for organizations that may want to host you. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is. And there. I actually just had a, a student who's like, you know, we really want to stalk you. We love your teaching style, but sometimes it's hard to tell where you are. Why don't you put up a calendar and just like, I'm teaching at this school this time. I'm teaching at this <laughs> yeah. museum at this school. So I, I, I it needs um, technology is not, and I eat bugs and rub sticks together for a living. Um, technology yeah. is difficult for me and it, it is, it is necessary. And I act, it actually fascinates me. It's just sometimes hard for me to comprehend, but um, the page is, mm-hmm. is getting better and better every day. But yeah, there's some contact information and, uh, I mean, I'm pretty open with the, I, I love to teach. So contact me any way you find, um, you know, <laughs> send a smoke signal, whatever. You don't know how to send a smoke signal. Then <laughs> let me know and I'll tell you how to send a smoke signal. Um, but there, there's contact information on there and people can just Google my name. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty blessed to teach for some pretty great people. And they do their part in making sure that people can find me as well. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we will put all of that in the show notes and... We will see you guys when we do Echo Mountain all again. And remember, the stories are truer than true. Mm-hmm.